All right, biohackers, who doesn't love a yummy, creamy whey protein shake? Oh, it is such a treat. And I really love it as a meal replacement, post-workout recovery, maybe even a midday snack. So this is why I have to tell you about Puri Protein Powder. I absolutely love the bourbon vanilla flavor and the chocolate, but I think I got to go with the, the vanilla as my favorite. So it's smooth, it's delicious. And you know what else? It's pretty awesome that the flavors come from real natural ingredients like the bourbon vanilla seeds from Madagascar. And let's talk about quality because there's a lot of junk whey protein on the market that I would not recommend. So the Puree whey protein, it comes from pasture-raised cow's milk with no hormones, no GMOs, and no pesticides. This is because Puree's mission has always been to be the best at offering pure, clean, and superior products that, that support health and well-being. And what I think truly sets them apart is that they are fully transparent with their product testing. Every batch is third-party tested against more than 200 contaminants and certified clean by the Clean Label Projects. Not all brands can say this. Plus, each product contains a QR code so you can personally scan it and review the test results at home. I know you're excited to try it out. So what you're going to do is head on over to puri.com slash biohackerbabes. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash biohackerbabes. And then make sure you use promo code biohackerbabes at checkout to save 20%. All right, let's get back to the show. We're digging deep and asking the questions we need to ask. Years of stress and not just emotional. I was depleting my body. I was malnourished. I'm working out like crazy. I'm eating all these healthy foods. How could I not be well? We have to get back to the basics. We can change the way our genes are expressed. Anyone that wants to improve their health or upgrade their health, they should be biohacking. My name is Renee. And I'm Lauren. We are the Biohacker Babes. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. The Biohacker Babes podcast aims to create insight into the body's natural healing abilities, strengthen your intuition, and empower you with techniques and modalities to optimize your health and wellness. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 64 of the Biohacker Babes. I'm Renee and I'm here with my sister, Lauren. Hey there. And we have a guest for you today. We have Christine Dynese. And gosh, I feel like Christine is just like our really good friend now. We actually met her through social media, funny enough, and just through some great conversations. We actually got to be on her podcast and we just instantly connected the three of us. And I'm really excited to have her on the show today. I think you all are going to really enjoy the conversation. It just flowed well. We learned so much from her with her specialty. And uh, before we dive into her bio, we just kind of wanted to share some highlights of what we thought were pretty fascinating topics from the episode. Lauren, what was, you know, maybe one thing that you thought was really 
One thing, so many. I think Christine is so awesome. And I think the three of us are really aligned on our opinions and beliefs and maybe perspectives in the health sphere. But I don't know. I learned so much from her and it challenged a few of my beliefs in a way. And I have a new perspective on a few things. So just such a great conversation. I think one of my big takeaways was I really love how she explained the difference between biological and functional medicine, which we've addressed on the show before with Dr. Drobot. And they're actually friends. So I love that. I love um, connecting the family, right? (laughs) Yeah, it really is a small world. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm a functional medicine practitioner. And I have to say some of my training actually felt a little checklist driven and not person driven, even though it's incredibly holistic. But I found this out through experience. If you're not getting to know the client or patient on a personal and emotional level, you really can't even begin to start the work. And Christine kind of goes into the differences between the two and why that's really important. She's a huge believer in the biology of beliefs and Dr. Bruce Lipton's work. So I'm excited for her to share that with you. Also, I was really inspired by her approach to motherhood and her relationship with her daughter. It just was so sweet, right? Amazing. I, I think she called her her soulmate. Yes, yeah, was I was so adorable. touched. So I think if you're a mom, I think you will really, I think you will really appreciate this conversation. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I think for me, one thing that really stood out in the conversation was how she talked about the gene families. So we do get into some genetic testing and how she incorporates that into her practice. But I think maybe because the genetic testing is somewhat new in this space, like people are quick to be like, oh, I have MTHFR and I have APOE. You know, they just like throw these single um, SNPs out. But I love that she said it's the gene family. Like she's really looking at the full body communication. What are the genes doing? Um, And I just really appreciated her perspective on that. And I'll share a little bit of kind of like my backstory during the episode about how I got into genetics and where I maybe went wrong in the beginning. Yeah. I like the the whole body system connection. It's so important. So she is so cool. I can't wait (laughs) to share her bio. Yes. Let's do that before we bring her on today. So Christine Dinese, she's the co-founder of Flavor ID and host of the research-led podcast, Well Examined. She is an integrative epigenetic health specialist, modernizing personalized wellness. Christine has dedicated her career to helping others understand the science of happiness by harnessing the power of the epigenetic landscape. Her humble endeavor is to help individuals, kids, and families activate their vision of health by beginning at the belief level. Christine's almost 20 years combined experience in research, private practice, consulting, writing, and speaking spans epigenetic wellness, personalized functional medicine, bioregulatory biohacking, traditional Chinese medicine, psychoneuroimmunology, endocrinology, nutrigenomics, the human microbiome, quantum consciousness, and the science of spirituality. All facets of Christine's work are research-led. She confers directly with scientists and researchers to assist in developing studies while simultaneously disseminating research directly into her consulting practice to offer clients both time-tested and ahead-of-trend healing options to upgrade their whole health and that of their clients. Incredible background. (laughs) This is going to be a great episode. So let's go ahead and dive in. Yay, let's do it. All right. So welcome, Christine, to the show. We're so happy to have you this morning. Um, We had the pleasure of being on your show. So we've 
gotten to chat a lot lately, which has been awesome, but we're excited to have you. Welcome. How are you doing? I'm awesome. I'm pumped to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. I think we have so much to talk about today. This is going to be a really <laughs> exciting episode. Um, we just love your philosophy about uh, you know, personalizing wellness, right? We're always talking about the bio-individuality of things and making it your own. And you're really, you know, kind of preaching that to everyone that it's um, all about personalization and we just love that. So I would love to kick off to hear, how did you get into all this? Like, did you have a any kind of personal journey that introduced you to the idea of like looking at genetic testing and personalized wellness? Yeah, I had a personal experience when I was a kid. And then as I made my way into my profession, I had a really profound experience with a family friend's child regarding genetics. So I feel like every five to 10 years, I have these um, profound upgrades with how it all comes together. For me personally, as a kid, I was always experiencing strep throat huge tonsil strep throat, always out of school. And my mom raised us in a really awesome, healthy home. However, it was always antibiotics at first. Oh, back to the doctor, antibiotics. And then she took me to one of her friends who was more naturopathically inclined and everything changed from there. No more strep throat, vivacious, energetic, and just brought everything together nutrition, my sleep, everything you can imagine, optimizing immunity. It was just a totally different picture. And that really, really helped shape the trajectory of my career and how I thought about doing life. At first, I thought that I was going to get into medicine and go into holistic psychology. And then I ended up working with my mom's friend, who's been a lifelong friend of mine, he practices like neurolinguistics and change work and philosophy of beliefs today. But anyway, I started working with him and learned everything. And then some about naturopathic medicine, functional medicine, before I decided what I was going to do with my career. And I learned so much with him that I ended up switching from holistic psychology to integrative um, traditional Chinese medicine and functional medicine. So that definitely was such a huge impact on me. He said, you know, this is your, this is your life. And I was, I think I was 15 or 16 at the time. He said, this is your life. And you're going to this doctor who keeps sending you out with a pill, but they're not talking to you about your life. And that made a huge impact on me back then as a teenager, no one had ever really said something like that to me. And, you know, so when I went into med school, I brought everything from holistic psychology, philosophy of religion, um, some you know pre-med with me. And that really, really shaped how I got into wanting to be an integrative practitioner instead of doing everything part and parcel. I knew that however I ended up practicing medicine, that it needed to be fully holistic. I didn't have all the framework yet. I didn't know that I'd be doing what I was doing now, but um, to then bring the story up to a family friend and how I really got into genetics. I've been practicing functional medicine and I wasn't really getting all the way with my patients, almost all the way, but not all the way. And the family friend came in and said, I really need you to look at all these labs. They don't make sense. And I think there's something going on at the genetic level with my son. So we ended up kind of going over 
a bunch of labs. I sent her for some functional medical testing. And then she went off and we said, you know, I really think that we should look at this from a non-diagnostic perspective. Let's just look at what the body is communicating on a biological level, at the cellular level. You know, we said that. We just wanted to look at her son as a biological being who deserved to, you know, have the whole story told. So anyway, we ended up doing really cool genetic testing and he was almost diagnosed with a rare form of leukemia. And it turned out that it was something called Fanconi anemia, which is super, super rare. And that was my big uh, propelling moment into when I said, oh, I am changing my entire practice and starting with genetics and then doing everything else wow. from there. Cool. Yeah. And seeing his health change and transform, knowing what he now knew at the genetic level just made such an incredible difference. I still get goosebumps when I think about that time because it was just so profound. So you, yeah. yeah, that's, like that's the missing kind piece. of how I got into genetics overall. That was about, you know, almost, oh my gosh, almost 15 years ago now. Wow. It's kind that's of crazy incredible. To think about how long it's been. <laughs> yeah. Because I think for most people, genetic testing is very new. So you've been doing it a really long time. I'm just curious, what, what did you say he had? What kind of anemia? So it's called Fanconi anemia. And huh, never heard of as that. you know, as you can imagine, it's multi-systemic and it's all about signaling pathways. And let's just, you know, simplify it and say confusion of signaling pathways. And as you both know, when you're looking at gene mutations and polymorphisms, a lot of those signaling pathways and uh, where proteins should be communicating aren't. And so there was a lot of that going on that wouldn't have been discovered unless, you know, they went ahead and did the genetic testing. Yeah. It's really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting that we really used to believe in just genetic determinism, right? And epigenetics, the idea of epigenetics, I think has been in the forefront for a little while, but like Renee said, I don't think a lot of people have known about testing for so long. It's so interesting that you had that lesson and then that intuition at such a young age to look at the whole person, like inside and out look at the cells. And I know you're a big fan of uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton. Oh yeah. So it's you know not that. just the epigenetic <laughs> piece, but it's also the, the belief system. Can you talk a little about, about that, how that's integrated as well? Yeah. What you said about you know genetic determinism, there are so many myths for so long about that. And let's face it, it's a pretty tricky sort of confusing <laughs> subject to be in with. Absolutely. But you know, the nature of reality is to be in flux. I think that we're all, especially now, right, becoming aware of that. Yes. Uh, every, you know, everything is changeable. So the research behind the biology of belief just shows if you want to go completely scientific and simplified, just shows effector proteins on our cells' membranes can control how our genes read and interpret what's coming in from the environment, how the environment is influencing us. So we would say, environment is, you know, determining how these genes will be expressed. And it's why I always advocate the message, everything through love, right? Our cells Mm, are listening. Our body is listening. And I love highlighting Dr. Bruce Lipton's work because, you know, he has looked at cellular biology and neurobiology forever in a day. And then he brought this explanation to it. 
So for those people who really, really, really are huge skeptics, they can just focus on the science, right? And then they can take their, themselves through the process of the biology of belief. But really, it just comes down to, you know, our proteins behave in a certain way. And we can track all of this now. So it isn't esoteric. It isn't an idea. It's, oh my gosh, well, it's transformational. It's everything, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so guess- did you feel that when you were a young child going through those illnesses and then you had that transformation? Did you feel that on a cellular level or I guess even just a conscious level? I, th- I think I was so frustrated on a cellular level. I couldn't, I couldn't believe that that had to be the way that it was. So I think on a subconscious level, I was rejecting it and it was showing up in my body more and more and more to convince me that I could reject it at the belief level. Mm, yeah. And I could, you know, I could get to that point. And I really- it's like the lessons keep showing up until you take them. Yeah, you know, and I really admire my mom because she is the type of person who, uh, you know, she takes on the whole world, she does everything, but she really knows- how and when to ask for help in the right places. She's really great at manifesting that. And that's something that I really have taken with me throughout all of these years. So, you know, when you ask that question, do you think that I understood at the cellular level? I think it was more subconscious back then. And I think it kept showing up throughout the years in my, you know, intuition for sure. But it definitely showed me the possibility in everything. And I didn't know about the biology of belief back then. You know, when I was 15, I didn't know about Bruce Lipton's work, but it kept, it's come up in all phases of my career. You know, when I study the overlap of science and spirituality, you know, when we're talking about genetic determinism through and through and through in Chinese medicine, functional medicine, biological medicine, it just always comes up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so how do you, share that with your clients? Like you said, you pretty much start with genetic testing and getting into the belief system. Like someone that's new to this, how do you present that to them? So I'm so blessed that all everybody that comes to me is through referral, right? So someone says, you know what? I did this. I did that. I love naturopathic medicine. I love functional medicine, but it wasn't until I started looking at my beliefs. So I always start with we're going to do your genetic testing, but our first conversation is going to be all about us getting to know one another. We'll be old friends by the time. (laughs) And you know, that's kind of how our conversations go, right? It's so personal, but some people really need convincing, right? Because it does still sound esoteric to them. Oh, the biology of belief. You're going to look at my genetics and suddenly I'm going to be (laughs) healed. Right. Um, that's what I guess if you present it as just being a friend and getting to know each other, you probably come up against less resistance than let's look at your thoughts, right? Yeah. And a lot of, I mean, a lot of people arrive at me, like I said, already having worked with so many of these practitioners, but it's very part and parcel, right? They're not having an integrative approach where all these practitioners are working together. So that's one thing that I do a little bit differently that I think you know, is a little bit more approachable for people. They feel like they can be a little bit more vulnerable. I'm here to listen. I'm here to listen to your whole story and then, you know, translate it through a person's own vision. But I, I love bio, I love biological medicine. I know we were talking about where I think functional medicine could just upgrade itself to biological medicine. 
for, for those people who say, you know what, I'm just not, I'm just not convinced. I'm not ready to go there. I don't want to tap into my subconscious. I don't want to look at those beliefs right now because, Hey, you know, some people aren't, but they still deserve something, right? It isn't like I say, well, go have a nice day. You call me when (laughs) you're ready to tap in there. I feel like, and I know that you both have experienced this. We've talked about this. Biological medicine is so incredible. I can say, all right, we can biohack into your genes through biological medical modalities. We can do presotherapy. We can do PEMF, um, you know, things like that. And then people start to feel changes at the cellular level because that's, you know, biological medicine. And they come back a couple of months later and say, you know, I really was leaning into my intuition. I was, I was really feeling this, you know, you start to hear different language. And that's when I think that coupling the biology of belief and the information that we can glean from the genetics becomes more approachable because it can be really scary to people. They might think more towards the genetic determinism. And if they tap into their subconscious, they might be afraid of what's there and they're not sure how to marry both of those things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What would you say the main difference is between biological medicine and functional medicine? Like just to simplify it for people. I think that functional medicine is incredible in how specific it can test something and still how holistic it is. However, they fall prey to the compartmentalization trap oftentimes I've noticed where Biological medicine is such a holistic model, taking all of the parts into consideration using the functional medical data, uh, but so much more considering the mind, body, spirit. And I've just noticed, because I consult to practitioners, I probably wouldn't have this perspective if I didn't also consult to practitioners and hear you know, how they're using tests. For example, um, the other day, a practitioner got in touch with me and he was asking about which hormone test I would use. What, you know, would I use this lab or that lab? And I said, well, if I was only going to do it this way, I would use this lab and this is why. And, but I couldn't help myself from saying, however. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, discussing uh, a greater conversation of considering, you know, a multi-systemic perspective, uh, even talking about, heart rate variability, backing it up to something really basic. So I think that biological medicine and their foundational testing really gets it right with looking at baseline for cellular matrix, baseline for cellular health, and then functional medicine can get more specific. So I think sometimes functional medicine just goes right in and compartmentalizes a little too quickly, and you need to take a step back first and look at the bigger picture. Does that make sense to think of it that way? Yeah, that's a great explanation. I'm sure that's helping people. And and I've heard that complaint of functional medicine. It's it's almost like an allopathic model with a holistic approach. If that makes yes. sense, like you know they yeah, go in and here's protocol. Yeah, it's like here's two thousand dollars of testing and here's a thousand dollars in supplements. But it's like is that is it that much different than the allopathic model of testing and then drugs instead of nutritional supplements? I think that yeah. all comes down to the practitioner and how they're going to approach the system, the the client, the environment, the words oh and gosh, the language. But, but I've seen that all the time. I've seen it many times with practitioners. It's just like, we're going to do this checklist and we're going to send off these tests. And and my uh, I myself have 
experience receiving my own test results and and feeling like a little fear. And I'm like, I'm not ready to go there emotionally, mentally. I'm not ready to go there. And I feel that wall that comes up and I know how people feel. And you really do have to be ready to face it. And that's on an energetic level, I feel. You know, another really important distinction that I talk about with Dr. Drobot, who obviously I know you both know, mm-hmm. is a major distinction between functional medicine, biological medicine, and what you just said, Lauren, about am I ready to go there? Biological medicine is so incredible at preparing the body to receive. That's what I love about it. And functional medical doctors and practitioners call me and say, oh my gosh, I did all this amazing testing and my patient is on board, but they're experiencing all these, you know, Herxheimer die-off reactions, or they're having all these healing crises. And, you know, the body wasn't ready. All, All great intentions, right? For healing. But that's a huge consideration that I bring up for functional medical practitioners, for sure. And Dr. Droba and I always talk about how you can have this grandiose plan for somebody, but teaching their body to listen and helping them prepare. And if they're not ready to go to the belief level and they're not ready to go into their subconscious, you can still do that with biological medicine, which is why I always think it's the now medicine and the future medicine for sure. Yeah. yeah. And you're still teaching the basics and there's so much power to that. I love the testing and I think it's great information, but I found a lot of people that, that need it are not even ready for that. Even if they consciously and mentally and emotionally are ready for it. It's like, we have so many foundational issues to work on first. Oh my gosh. Definitely. Stress, getting all the lifestyle factors in place and I've come up against the same things you you have in your practice in Rochester because New York is terrible with, with <laughs> testing and healthcare laws. And you can't, like, I have to drive across the border to take clients testing elsewhere. It's like, you know what? We need to just work on the basics first. How about that? <laughs> There's power in that. Oh my gosh. I know. It's so incredible. I mean, you you talk about New York. It's just so funny how open-minded people perceive New York to be, but when, when it comes to all their medical uh, hoopla, <laughs> I guess it's we'll so call it. so behind the rest of the country. It's crazy to me. Yeah. People Surrounded perceive- by really smart, progressive individuals and the system is outdated. Oh, it seems yeah. like such a health conscious state to me. I mean, I've never lived in New York, but especially in New York City, I I don't know. That that's how it appears to me as an outsider. I think <laughs> on the exterior, people are, I'm gonna use air quotes, healthy because they <laughs> show up. They show up, they wake up early, they're productive, they get everything on the checklist done, but there's not a lot of introspection, there's not a lot of breathing, there's not a lot of working in. And that's the piece that we're missing, mm. right? Mm. There's a busyness that's not serving us at an energetic or cellular level. So sure, we look healthy, but are we really through and through? Are we really through and through? Well, okay. So you are in New York, you go down the street and you see that, um, you know, you see police officers, you see the first responders, the firefighters, and there's always this mentality, you know, New York tough or New York stands together. And it's funny because I was talking about, um, I actually, I was talking to a biological dentist in New York and we were talking about this philosophy of New York tough, but how superficial it is, right? Because you get these big burly guys, like a firefighter, police officer, first responder into your office, and they think they're there for one thing, 
but you turn into their therapist after 20 minutes because they start crying, right? It's all exterior, this thing that's on. (laughs) It is. Everyone has an armor on, whether you're in, in one of those outfits to protect or to keep the peace. Everyone has that armor on. It's crazy what happens when you peel it back. Yeah, New York needs more biological uh, medicine and integrative practitioners to open up that conversation for sure. New York just needs to slow down too, you know? Oh my gosh, that could be a whole side conversation about what New York needs, but we won't go there. <laughs> Part a two. Potential, a lot of potential <laughs> always in New York. Absolutely. Well, hopefully they're slowing down now in 2020. No, no. I don't want to sidebar too no. much, but no. I okay. think this whole... <laughs> what looks like a pause has not been hmm. for New Yorkers. I still, I still feel a lot of fear and just like clenching when I go outside, which I don't think is taking in a pause. I don't think that's no. receiving and slowing down. Well, there's always this joke about, um, people ask me, Oh, where are you from? And I say upstate New York. I mean, it's way upstate, right? Rochester. But if you ask a New Yorker, Uh, where they went for the weekend and they say upstate, you know, the furthest they think about going is Woodstock and, you know, (laughs) the Catskills. Yeah. yeah. And so, (laughs) you know, to really, really get out of the city, you have to disappear far upstate to get that tranquility to slow down and get those biorhythms (laughs) communicating with nature. Yeah. Otherwise you're just still with a bunch of New Yorkers for the weekend. Yeah. (laughs) The city. That is so true. So true. Oh my goodness. So Christine, I'm to circle back to the genetic testing. I'm I'm just curious how you do that with your clients, right? There's, you know, 23andMe and Ancestry DNA, companies like that coming out where anyone can just go online and order it. But as a practitioner, where do you begin with testing? How do you do that? I really love using companies that are all about privacy. So I tend to avoid the ones that you mentioned. Right. Because who yes. knows where that data was really going? I know who owns the pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. Um, so uh, in the you know, in the greater picture, most of my clients are aligned with privacy and you know, ethical <laughs> use of testing. So I love to use I use self-decode. I don't know if either of you have oh. used them yet or familiar with them, but they're awesome. Yes. We've been yeah, talking they're, to they're, Joe recently. Oh yeah, good. Joe's going to be on the show. Yep, in a few weeks. Exciting. He's so great. He's been on my show twice, and I just love getting to know him more and more. Awesome. You'll have a great conversation with him. So I love his test, and I love, I love keeping things direct to consumer, because the consumer owns their information. So I have all of my clients use self decode. They go, they get the test. And as you both know, you get the test, you have to do a little tube of spit, send it off, and they, you know, work their uh, magic in their lab. They have an incredible lab with so much sensitivity and specificity. That's another reason why I use them. Um, The number of SNPs that they can decode. I love how they organize all of the gene families. And so when my client, does it, they can take the information and they can do whatever they want with it, right? It's usable data for the consumer. But for me, and I bet when you ladies dive into these reports, you will find a treasure trove of information. So I always look at gene families 
And I always look at genetics from a non-diagnostic perspective. I just want to look at things on the genetic cellular level. So I try to stay away from named diagnoses, right? Instead of looking at, does a person have risk for cancer, Parkinson's, cardiovascular health? I look at how gene families communicate to put risk of anything into significance. So I'm more looking at uh, how are gene families communicating Mm-hmm. And you know, I start there. So the patient or the client, I should say, they come, um, you know, to the conversation. They get their own kit. Once all that information is back, they share that with me, and then I get to decode and we dive in together. Now, a lot of people come saying, "I know that I have this risk in my family." You know, six people had cardiovascular issues, seven people had diabetes, this kind of thing. Um, but some people come and they're healthy people wanting to get healthier. So the way that they want to look at their genetics is different. They want to answer questions like, do I have receptor issues that will increase inflammation? Just something as basic and simple as that, but that influences everything. They don't even want to hear about named diagnoses. They want to look at bigger picture cellular health. And that's completely tangible through the type of testing that self-decode puts out. The way, the way that they create reports is so incredible. Anybody, my daughter who's eight, she's seen some of these reports. She can sit down and she can read some of it and understand, you know, a tangible takeaway. So that's what I love. It's oh, that's so cool. approachable awesome. for, yeah, anybody. And also, <laughs> you know, I have all these um, conventional practitioners and you both know MTHFR, right? If anybody knows anything about genetics, they can at least name MTHFR. And they either want to bank everything on MTHFR, they want to tell you how it's not useful. So I always tell conventional practitioners, do self-decode on yourself, and then you'll get to see how everything is in communication at the cellular level. And this test really does that. So it really just drives home that point. Because when you're talking to someone, you can you know, say, oh, I work at the biology of belief and I'll show you how all your genes come together. It sounds idealistic until you can show them on paper what that really means. That's that- funny. I actually had that experience when I was diving into my reports. And I have to say, I was a little overwhelmed at first at the amount of information. I didn't even know where to focus first. And so I did. I took MTHFR. I was like, I'm going to start there because I know that's in my family. And my focus very quickly spiraled into something I didn't expect. And it, it, you're right. It was like a building together and sort of like this conglomeration of all these different pieces rather than me just like hammering in, in the MTHFR and what it could potentially be doing to me and all these other problems. Like there was an opportunity for me to spiral down a negative path. <laughs> but it Actually, did. It opened up my eyes to some other opportunities, which was really cool. That's awesome. I remember the first time I did any of this testing, I was working with a new lab and they were like, we'll we'll run two free tests for you. We're going to do the MTHFR and the APOE test for you. Which looking back, I'm like, wow, they only ran two. But I remember when I found out I had the MTHFR genetic mutation, I was also at the same time struggling with infertility. And I remember being like, this is That's tied it. to infertility. That's why, <laughs> yeah. you know, like I really thought that was the reason. And I was like, what if I had never found this out? You know, and now, you know, a decade later, we know there's a million other things, but 
anyways, it's come a long way, yeah. like looking at our genes and now, yeah, self-decode, same thing that Lauren said. I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much to learn. Well, it's really laying down the entire map. It's like you could look at just one country in the world or you could like lay out the entire thing and see how all the pieces fit together. You're like, oh, there is a bigger picture. That's a good analogy. Zoom out. Hey, biohackers, Renee here. I figured I would interrupt today's show to explain to you a little bit more about self-decode since we keep talking about it in this episode. Obviously, the three of us are really big fans of this, but it's a great way to analyze your genes. So if you already have your raw DNA, you can actually just plug it into the site. Or if you haven't done that before, you can actually get your entire genetic test done through them, and then you will get all of the reports. The really cool thing about this website is you get a ton of information. So you actually get a personalized genetics blog. So you can get different articles based off of what you probably should be looking at and reading. You also get all these wellness reports looking at everything from fitness and nutrition to anti-aging to risks for certain diseases. And then there's also a symptoms analyzer. So you can type in different symptoms and kind of take a look at maybe what would be most important for you, which is really, really cool to see. So Lauren and I have both done this. And just to give you an idea, like a couple of things that I actually learned from this analysis that I didn't know from other uh, websites that I've looked through before is I have an increased risk for low iron due to poor absorption from food good to know. And then I knew I was a poor methylator, but it actually says I really have an increased need for vitamin B12 and choline. So just kind of a good reminder there that I need to do that. So really great way to learn some personal information. If you haven't already done a genetic test, great place to get started. And the website, they're actually giving all of our listeners 10% off, which is awesome. So all you need to do is use the code biohackerbabes, and that's at self decode.com. Just go there, use that code, you'll get 10% off. And if you have any questions, let us know. And stay tuned. We are going to have a future episode in a couple of weeks where we're going to dive even deeper into this. So if you want to do it, this is a good time to get the test done and then listen to that future episode and you'll get even more information. All right, let's get back to the episode. It's so incredible. I mean, I guess I dork out about it, right? When I get excited discussing, oh, this gene family communicates with this one and that one. And, you know, Renee, you talk about infertility. And what if you, what if you think, oh, I can test my genetics. I can test MTHFR and find out about fertility and fertility. And you test only MTHFR and you don't find anything out. There are so many other families communicating that are going to be indirect. You could have, you know, a deletion in an estrogen receptor gene or you could have something going on. Literally, um, you know, you two are discussing BDNF um, and just energy production and metabolism. There's so many little clues that come in when you can look at the bigger picture. So I, I think what I love about self-decode is that you can compartmentalize while considering the bigger picture all at once, which is so great. And that's what you know I do with clients overall. Yes, they're telling me what they're coming to me for, but more and more people say, I'm really open-minded. I am a healthy person. I know that some of this risk exists. I am really looking to biohack from an epigenetic perspective. And I love someone knowing that that's a thing they can do, right? That I don't have to first tell them or be the person to first tell them. I'm so glad you just said that because that was going to be my next question. How do you see the word biohacking fit into all of this? 
I see us as a modern society needing to biohack our way back to health. Uh, you know, it isn't enough to say that, oh, let's just go out camping and spend a week in the woods and then I'm completely fine. Yes, of course, we should be doing that all the time. But biohacking is kind of everything these days, you know? Sometimes you have a stressful day at work, you work in a corporation, you need to biohack your brain out of that conversation so you can sleep for the weekend <laughs> before you go back. Right. To work, you know, yeah. I, just, I think we need to biohack our way to health, period. Man, EMFs, <laughs> Wi Fi, it's all around us, right? I think that is one of the most invisible, pervasive, serious issues that still not enough people. EMF consider. exposure. Yeah. I mean, my, my yeah. daughter has her own iPad for the first time. And I love the different things that she can use it for. <laughs> and we've got it set up in the best way we can to have packed the EMF situation. But still, you know, she sits with it really close to her and I have to constantly remind her, right? Yeah, like three so, feet, social I distance. Know, <laughs> I know, if you want to social distance from anything, it's your tech. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. You know, it's so like we- scary with the kids home, uh, with the school at home, virtual school. Uh, Yeah. We made the choice to homeschool last year before anything was going on. So it feels so, oh my gosh, I feel so happy. And it's been great not being forced into having to do that. So no online learning for us, unless it's by choice, you know, we're looking something up. Oh, Mm. amazing. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Did that answer your question though about Yes, but actually I have a more specific question because I know that the three of us are very aligned about what biohacking means to us and what it should be and how we can use it positively. But I think something that's being been on my mind recently because I've been listening to a lot of Paul Chick's podcasts, as I always do. He's a teacher, <laughs> he's a mentor, and he hates the word biohacking. And it's been a little hard for me to really hear that and swallow it. But he because he thinks the word hack is like a negative energy connotation like you're hacking your system and that can't be received well by your energetic system so i guess my question to you christine is as someone that believes in the biology of beliefs and really creating a happy environment for yourselves because they're constantly taking in information how would you respond <laughs> if you were talking to paul check how would you respond to that uh i guess hatred of the word. (laughs) Oh, totally. I totally get that. And it's such a great question. It's something that I've talked about before with some of my colleagues and friends and, you know, just, you can just shift the word, right? First of all, if you personally do not attach a negative connotation to it and you have positive intentions attached to it, you've assigned different value to it. You're a-okay. That's what I think. Oh. <laughs> I agree. But you yeah. know, biofinesse. We have to biofinesse our way back to health. Yeah. I mean, finesse is a great word, right? I mean, biohacking is a negotiation. That's Absolutely. the way I look at it. You know, we all know what is going on in the modern world. We can be in denial of it or we can look at it and go, okay, how can I biofinesse this situation? We are in constant flux. Everything is changeable, and that's the beauty and the gift of it. So how can we finesse our biology to be in this constant flux and flow, right? I I guess maybe that's a simplified 
version, but yeah, I like to use the word finesse. I can see how hacking is a little harsh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> or Paul likes to say bioharmonize. Oh, I like that. But yeah, I mean, it can mean whatever you want it to be. And I think it's all about your intentions. But to me, the word hack is really just like a disruption of this cycle that we're in, right? Yeah. It's pausing so you can reset. Mm-hmm. But I like the finesse. I'm going to steal that. Yeah. It's interesting. I was listening to a podcast this morning, a, well, who I would consider a fellow biohacker that I've looked up to for years. He is now saying he is not a biohacker. He is a health enthusiast because biohackers are people that are putting magnetic implants into their bodies, you know, doing genetic coding, you know, all these different things. He says, those are the biohackers. And I think I felt the same way as you did, Lauren, when you heard Paul Check say that. I was like a little Aww. hurt by that. <laughs> yeah. But again, I back to biology of beliefs, whatever you feel that word means to you, you know, yeah. it's up for discussion always. So, I think it's attention grabbing. So yeah, definitely. that's okay with me. Yeah. Some people would say, you don't need any of the testing. You don't need any of it. Just read Bruce's book, The Biology of Belief, and you know, move away from the cities and go do your mm-hmm. thing. But I don't <laughs> really know many people that are in that position right now. So therefore, we're kind of at this more ultra health enthusiast, <laughs> yeah, you know, paradigm here where it is bio-optimization. Um, it is biofinessing. Um, it's all about how well do you want your body to perform? What do you want it to do with you and for you? You know, I'm an older parent. I want to live a really long time. So I get to spend a lot of time with my daughter, right? So that's why I love to biohack and bio finesse. That is the best motivation. There's that's how I'm a health enthusiast. I guess it really is holistic. We need to put all these words in the punch bowl, right? And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and pass them out at the party. Yes, yeah, so yes, yes. That. Yeah. I mean, I love the enthusiasm piece, but we also need the motivation to drive this thing forward and take agency. So I, I would love to hear more about your experience as a mother and how you all use that word again, taking agency to take care of your, your child and, and to educate and to exist in this world that we live in right now? Oh my gosh. There are so many things to say about that. <laughs> Thanks for asking that. I definitely feel like my daughter is one of my soulmates and my mom hears us and she says, oh my gosh, you two sound like sisters because wow. of the way, the way that we talk to each other. So we have a really cool relationship, but I'm always trying to balance that out because I am the parent or at least that's how I am identifying our relationship, yeah. right? Um, yeah. So it's kind of like, all right, um, how do you present all of this information in a tangible way? You know, what we're talking about, taking agency where it's not going to scare the living daylights out of the kid to say, oh, the modern world's going to kill you, kid. <laughs> yeah. you know? it, I think it's about living proof, Right allowing yourself as a parent, or at least me speaking from you know my own experience, allowing myself to be vulnerable, allowing myself to make mistakes and apologizing and being a real person and allowing myself grace. I think that's the framework for me because I am really hypervigilant. I can get really intense about 
my passion and what I believe. And that's a lot for a little eight-year-old to take in, right? So I'm always thinking about how to repackage for her. (laughs) But I take a lot from what I learned from my great-grandparents and how they did have a a simple, slow life in the old school Italian way and how everybody comes together to help one another, right? So about, you know, biofinessing is about communication. And in its simplest form, coming together through grace, allowing vulnerability, allowing one another to make mistakes, and then taking the next layer of, okay, here's the education piece. Here's the organic food. Here's the nutraceuticals. Here's what's going on with the EMFs. So that she kind of has the framework where it's not just a big stress ball, right? She can kind of temper it with the philosophy of slowing down, taking it in, not absorbing it. Am I making sense the way I'm explaining this? It's it's like such a hard yeah. question to answer. Well, you're providing solutions instead of just, I love the repackaging because you're taking in so much information and you could turn around and just like spew that information to her, but the repackaging and I guess the pause that you're taking... And then you're giving her solutions. So it's not just an information dump. It's really, she's giving me a lot more than I'm giving her the way that I look at it. Because in certain circumstances, it has been an information dump and it's been too much for her. She's a really incredible, sensitive person. And she will tell me when it's too much, right? So she Mm. is constantly teaching me how to communicate. All, all of the time, right? So when I am repackaging the information, I can think about, oh, well, I personalize medicine and I personalize wellness for everybody else, but how can I best personalize these incredible pieces of information for my little eight-year-old? Um, yeah. So she's Amazing. such a huge teacher. She's so incredible. The feedback I get you know, from her and just watching her. But I also hear how she interacts with um, people. She definitely has that scientific brain where she considers all the variables, you know, it's really cool. What a gift. Wow. That's incredible. Sounds like an amazing kid you have there. She's really cool. You would love to hang out with her. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's a, an amazing answer that definitely answered my question. Can I go a little further? Oh my gosh, of course. How do you even approach, uh, I don't know, answer this, however you want. How do you approach with her or with your community? the fear that's happening in the world? And can we talk about the V word? Yeah. So everything we've been talking about, um, you know, the biology of belief and our bodies are listening. We use that as the framework for everything. If you have something as a base, you're able to respond to information. And so since that's something that I'm always communicating with her and always talking about, with her, she is able to transmute information. I mean, first of all, I should say, we don't have the TV on where you have mainstream news coming in. And while, of course, we don't want to live in an echo chamber and only be around people who think like us, we certainly are not hanging out with a ton of people or surrounding Mm -hmm. ourselves with people who live in that fear-projected lifestyle. You know, the world is a healthy terrain. The world is here to, um, you know, invigorate us instead of make us sick. And, you know, I am also really frank with her about (laughs) our immune systems. I mean, 
the immune system and immunology, you can't do what I do without taking a liking to or making it your specialty because the immune system is everything, right? And mm-hmm. we're talking about the V word. So she looks at her body as a body that can always get healthier. And it's natural for microbiology to want to take up residence in certain places, right? And so maybe it decides it's going to come on a little mini vacation, but it's not welcome too long in our bodies. And we (laughs) have the power to (laughs) send it packing. Yeah, your time is up. (laughs) Time's up. Oh, you overextended your stay. Peace out kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, So, you know, fear, fear is natural thing. It's a teacher and that's how we pretty much go about it. You know, so we talk about transmuting and it's not always easy, obviously. And sometimes I think another thing too is um, me personally, I'm so solution oriented and I've had to take a step back and say, okay, this is what we have going on right now. This is how you feel. This is how I feel. You know, this is how my husband feels. We need to take some time to think about that and then we'll come back together and discuss it. So building in time to respond and allowing yourself I guess the word I keep coming back to is grace, allowing yourself some grace instead of being so reactionary to it all. But we just basically teach that we hold the power within us and we can attract other people around us who think and feel that way and are super healthy. And she has examples of really healthy people in her life. That kind of takes it to that level, that deeper level, I think, to think about it from those perspectives. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) Such a great one. Um, To totally like go a different direction. I'm just curious, you know, as a, we're all Sicilian here. I'm just, I I love it. Yeah. So I love meeting other Sicilians looking at like a genetic perspective and looking at what, you know, your grandparents, great grandparents, you know, did based on their lifestyle habits, maybe in Sicily. Is there anything that you kind of have learned from them? that has been carried down through the generations? Yeah, definitely. First of all, I need to take more naps. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Siestas? Or what are they, is that what it's called in Italy? Is it still siesta? Oh my gosh. You know what? I'm not sure. I don't yeah. know what they call it. All I we'll know is that, that they do it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. They just, there's so much reverence to being in tune with nature and slowing down and needing to do a thousand things per day. And being together and helping one another, it's just the way that Italians do things. It's kind of funny. I mean, if you look at all of my parents' friends in New York who are Italian, all their kids live with them until they're in their early 20s. And then when they go and buy their own houses, they live right down the street from each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I went to Sicily for so the first time, my family's you know main house I think I was telling you both, my family's main house is literally, you know, 25 feet across the street from their, you know, guest house. But it was really where my great grandfather grew up, you know. So everybody being in close quarters and communicating with each other and helping each other, just that style of communication has always really resonated with me. And kids are a part of the family where, a lot of uh, families are like, oh, kids are meant to be in the background and quiet or whatnot. So it's kind of really shaped how I communicate with other people, bring people into my life. I think the personalization aspect of my own work is because of that. Everything's always been so personal in terms of family. 
when it comes to looking at genes, it's just so obvious how people came from the old country and how their epigenetics got messed up through the industrial revolution and pollution and needing to make money so that they could be in the Mm. States, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you can see, you know, I, I see the evidence of that in people's genetic reports and with their subjective reporting. And so, you know, we've made a joke. How can we biohack our way to the old country living? <laughs> Got kind of. Yeah. Um, and, you know, some of my patients joke, they're like, oh, does that mean that I should go to the bread store and then go get my prosciutto at the other store? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's what it means. <laughs> yeah. And drink wine all day long. Yeah. Um, and my dad jokes about it too, because he always goes to, um, you know, the Italian store to get his special olive oil. And he talks about the old lady who, the grandma who owns it and she's sitting there drinking her olive oil. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, Italians do things in their own way and apparently it works. <laughs> yeah. I guess there's a lesson in that. <laughs> but yeah, the whole, you know, Sicily, the island in the sun and you know, just an aside, if people are like, well, what's the proof of genetics? I always see vitamin D receptor issues in Mm. Italians who live in the New England states in upper Northeast. Mm. And I always see vitamin D receptor issues. I'm sorry. I always see vitamin D receptor polymorphisms in people who live in Sicily, but they don't have the issue because they're the island in the sun. They literally are, you know, surrounded by the ocean. So they've got the negative ions. They've got the vitamin D. There is that natural ebb and flow that people's circadian rhythms are drawn to there. And then they're, you know, people were plucked from Sicily, dropped down in New York or these New England areas, you know, Boston, Rhode Island, Maine, et cetera. And I look at their genetics and they've got, you know, similar to their family in the old country. And I see this vitamin D receptor issue. And they have such a hard time with seasonal depression, autoimmune issues, certain cancers, mm. all things that have been, you know, scientifically, as you both know, tracked back to vitamin D issues. So the proof is in, you know, the proof is in how people have migrated over time for sure. And we now can track that through DNA testing. That's that pretty fascinating. Crazy. Yeah. Because I have had some genetic reports show, I don't know if it's exactly what you're talking about, but I'm at risk for vitamin D deficiency. I don't mm-hmm. know if that has to do with the receptor, but yeah, since usually. living in Vegas, you know, it's sunny 360 days a year, my vitamin D is fine. Yeah. And it's easy yeah. enough in the States to look at twins. You know, one lives in a dark, overcast, cloudy area. The other one lives, you know, Vegas, Phoenix, uh, you know, San Diego, and they've got all the vitamin D here, as opposed to the person who doesn't, but they both, they're twins, you know, they have very similar genetics and that's the proof of epigenetics. You can see it come out and how twins, you know, two different people are living their lives and how their environments are influencing them. It's so incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally different expressions. Yeah. There's a lot of ways to uh, just look out into the world and <laughs> see the living proof of epigenetics for sure. Yeah. 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 And that one's particular particularly concerning right now as we go in to winter. I mean, my vitamin D window here in New York has closed up significantly already. Yeah. So, so all the light therapies that you can do, of course. Yeah. I'm trying to get my light therapy on point right now. <laughs> it's time to vac- yeah. take a vacation. You need to bio finesse your way into bi-coastal living. <laughs> I do. I yes. do. 
Come to Vegas for the winter. (laughs) All right. I'm convinced. You didn't even have to twist my arm. (laughs) I expect to see you in warmer weather soon. (laughs) Yeah. Hold me to it. (laughs) Christine, thank you so much. This was a beautiful conversation. I learned so much. And I'm about to learn more because I'm going to ask you one more question. Can you give our audience one piece of advice for takeaway, something they could start working on today to optimize on the cellular, energetic, epigenetic level, anything you want to give us, something they can do today? Yes. uh, Everything through love. I know that people might be expecting me to give a list of cool biohacking tools, but everything through love. And it starts with ourselves. I've just heard a lot of stories lately and everyone needs that reminder. Taking a few minutes out, three deep breaths and everything through love. And that's the best message, honestly, I can advocate ever. It really just brings everything together. So much love to you, ladies. Thank you so much. I love talking with you. It's always incredible conversation. I feel like we've known each other forever. Yes, right back at you. I don't know if that's the Sicilian connection, but I I think we're (laughs) very much in alignment and it was nice to resonate with you today. Well, thank you for inviting me to this kind of conversation. I hope that uh, more people can start chit-chatting like this. Yes, absolutely. So we're going to send our audience... To you. Go ahead, Renee. Yeah, I was going to say, we'll share your Instagram links and your website so people can find you easily. Thank you. Yeah, so her Instagram is Christine Christine Dainese. We talked before we got on air about our Italian last names. Mine used to be Zambataro. And Christine, what what was yours? Dionese. I love (laughs) it. Dionese. I love it. So we've become Americanized. Here we are. So check her out on Instagram. And she has a podcast called Well Examined. And her website is Christine. I can't do it. You want to just say it the Italian way. I it's do. I want to say it's in your blood. Italian way. Christine, yeah, we'll do it both ways. Christine Dinese Consulting.com. There you go. And then Christine Consulting.com. I love it. I'm like Mario or you yes. do, yes. It was all the Sicily talk. I just can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> oh my god! Anyways, all of these resources will off. be. I love it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the resources will be in the show notes, and we're so excited to share this conversation with you, Christine. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, ladies, and thank you to everyone for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast. Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. Happy biohacking.